0: Hello, thank you for joining us on the Tripe Supper. I'm Dom Shaw, joined by Phil Talentire and Anthony Vickers. Uh, I've spent this morning watching back videos, well not all the morning, we do do a bit of work, but watching back videos from the celebrations after the Brighton game three years ago and the emotions are rather different three years on on the back of that disappointing Sunday. But obviously got the job done at Rotherham, but Derby did also against West Brom. Picking the bones out of the season, obviously we'll, we'll talk at length in the coming weeks and, and then look ahead to what comes next, but... Initial thoughts, Phil. A couple of days on is obviously sheer disappointment.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we hope to get. You know, hope that Derby would slip up. Uh, Burra did there, but didn't they? They got the result, uh, but it doesn't feel as though there's been a great injustice. Um, we've talked a few times. You know, it doesn't feel as though Burra, you know, can, can sit and, and and moan about bad luck and misfortune. The table, you know, to use that cliche, doesn't lie. And. You know, over the course of the summer, there'll be a lot of talk about you know what's gone wrong and and why Borough find themselves in this position. And I think it's interesting that you mention, you know we won't go into too much detail at the moment, but you mentioned the Brighton game. Really, you look at the decisions made in the months after that result. You know, you could argue that there's still the ramifications of that are still being felt now in terms of how that money was spent, who was signed, who wasn't signed, who was sold, who wasn't sold. I think the big picture this season's been. It just feels. You know, in summary, that Borough haven't really laid a, a glove on on anybody in terms of the promotion race. You know, there's a lot of people thinking, well, they underachieved. Some people argue they're overachieved. People refer to the players that were sold in the summer. You know, the players that came in weren't good enough. Whatever you want to say, I think fundamentally, I think that Borough team, that that Borough squad was capable of more than it produced. I think that that, that that's the belief that I take out the season. Whatever the rights and wrongs about selling Patrick Bamford. And signing Paddy McNair and things like that. I think for me, that team was capable of more than it delivered on the pitch week in, week out. We didn't miss out by a huge amount at the end of the day. You know, one more win would have been in the playoffs. Um, you know, to finish 16 points behind Sheffield United is really, really telling. Um, you know, hats off to Chris Wilder and those players for what they did this season. That just shows what you can do with the right organisation, the right spirit, the right mindset. Too many times this season, particularly at the Riverside, Borough started slowly, you know, it was languid, that it looked as though they didn't really know how to you know, how to take on the opposition. That you know the one thing everyone says about Tony Pulis is he plays a certain style of football. Well I, I didn't feel watching Borough this season that was necessarily a Tony Pulis you know you know, in terms of a, a true a true direct game. They didn't knock the ball up forward Quickly, often enough, you know. If you're going to play that sort of style, hit the big man up front, knock it down. They didn't get bodies forward to support Jordan Hugel, for example. That's how that's how you play a long ball game. It's it's, it's about knocking balls up and winning the second ball. You know, putting pressure on opposition defenses, getting bodies forward quickly. None of that happened. So you were caught between. You were you know, on one hand you weren't getting champagne flowing football. But on the other hand, you weren't getting really, really effective long ball football either. And Burrow were caught between two stools and, and never really convinced from Christmas onwards.
0: There's There's been um, finger pointing in terms of where Borough uh, missed out to those six games. Obviously, Tony Pulis said that before and after the Rotherham game. John Obi-McKell touched on that when we spoke to him after the game against Rotherham. But it... it the, there's more to it than that, isn't there, Vic? Yeah. You know, you look back at the games, I know, I know they had nothing to do with the league, but I thought the two cup defeats to Burton and Newport yeah, were extremely damaging when you look at I, the bigger picture. I think
2: this season has been the gradual end of, a, of, a, of a, an era that goes back five years. I mean, you touched on Brighton. I mean, I, I think it actually goes beyond that. It goes to the... Ito Karanka coming in and setting up uh, a functional, pragmatic approach... Uh, the, and a mentality around the club, which which uh, you know, which has led to attacking football being something that we watch with the opposition doing. Uh, this season has felt emotionally empty. It's as if the club, the entire club, top to bottom, is is uh, running on on empty. And emotionally, this season has been draining. I don't think there's been ever been any belief that the thing that you're talking there about. The style of the team falling between two stools. I think that's right. I think we've had two transitional managers that haven't really fundamentally changed the dynamics of the team and how we play. And I, I think it's just been tired. The whole season's been tired. Uh, August, uh, almost, you know, by out of convenience rather than conviction, they switched to wing backs and got some uh, good results. They're playing well. There was a decent shape. But he felt the manager didn 't believe in that, even though it was bringing results and every time he tried to switch back to his default and play one up front, the team was lacking in other areas so I mean for instance, the, the run of those the, the, the run of sixty feet uh, when they were playing the two up front and the wing backs and creating a lot of chances and not scoring uh, there 's a lack of belief in that yet when they reverted to the one up front. Uh, Aston Villa and Swansea they got absolutely minced mm. and you just felt there was a, a lack of conviction about everything on match day uh, for me it's, been en- it's the end of an era and it's very disappointing but it offers the possibility of a radical change I think I, I, I think having the season fizzle out so powerlessly will sharpen minds behind the scenes and, and I think there's an acceptance there that something has to change and primarily what has to, has to change is the approach uh, another functional manager coming in will be an absolute disaster uh, fans have been peeling off in layers throughout this season, uh, you mentioned the two cup defeats, uh, yes uh, huge setbacks uh, being tonked by Forest early on by Itor that was a kind of a symbolic setback uh, the Brentford game, where Borough were a goal up and dominating, and Tony Pulis made his archetypal change and, and took a striker off and put a defender on, and then leaked two goals and lost. That that was a moment I think a lot of people just said, you know, he's, his tactics, he's wrong, and results in the coming, in the ensuing games underlined that. And I th- I think since then Borough have been desperately trying to scramble back into some kind of coherent position and I don't think that they have the equipment there I don't think the players believe in, in what they've been doing I don't think the squad's got the right ingredients to play either of the two styles that the manager's tried this season and I feel that fans have have run out of patience with it and it's time for a change it, it, it's, it's obviously natural that when things don't go to plan there's finger pointing
0: at the manager on, on 95% of the time in the last couple of weeks he has taken every possible opportunity really to try and defend his tenure hasn't he in terms mm. of press conferences, programme notes etc. So, so if we assess kind of Pulis' mitigation, his arguments of why this season mm. has been a success as he puts it why 7th place finish this year is better than the 5th place finish last year, um, do, do, you, do you agree with any of it? Do you see where he's coming from? Yeah a
1: little bit, I, I think he's, he's over-egged it, massively over-egged it but there is, there is an element of yes he, had to, he did inherit an unbalanced squad With players on a huge amount of money, um, who'd cost a lot of money, you know, Braithwaite being the obvious example. Um, He made an effort to work with Traore. He, didn't make, he clearly decided there was something about Braithwaite that he didn't like, and we're not privy to the conversations in, 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 in the offices and the dressing rooms. I and think still. the opposite. I think he, he did everything possible to try and work
0: with Braithwaite. Well,
1: he, he sent him out alone within a few weeks of him arriving. Oh, sorry, early. Yeah. But I think yeah. in the
0: summer again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Braithwaite was one of the two, two te- top players in, in August this year, like the start of last season, sorry, this season, if you want to call it that, 2018 now again, I think the bigger issue the twofold. One is, the succession of transfer windows have come and gone without big problems in the squad being addressed. That isn't all Tony Pulis' fault. What we're not privy to is just how much of that was due to the manager's demands for a certain type of player and then missing out on that player and Borough were suddenly left short, or whether the club didn't have the right targets lined up. will I would imagine there'll be more of that coming forward in the next few weeks, is when the blame game starts getting played. You know, we did we did hear stories. You know. Of fairly well substantiated stories about certain targets being lined up early, and then there was prevarication from 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 the manager as to whether he wanted that particular player or not. You know those kind of incidents. You know we're not there, so we can't we can't say for hundred percent. But I think there's it you know the the Balassi thing was a was a huge you know red herring. You spent most of the summer trying to sign a player who wanted a fortune would have cost a fortune, and there was no guarantee it would have made a difference. I think he's been hampered massively from the fact that there aren't genuine wide players in this squad. Um, you know, you look at uh, so we talk about a, a, a proper long ball system that works well with wingers. Going back to Graham Taylor when he had John Barnes and Nigel Callaghan back in the eighties for those of us old enough to remember. So he did he did make savings. I think that, I think where he, his argument falls down, and I think you touched on it yesterday, Dom was was, was he did he did he did lose Triari well. My argument on that was that that was a player who he got the best out of, but most Borough fans were pretty much fed up with when Tony Peelis walked through the door because he wasn't consistent. Ben Gibson, he couldn't stop Ben Gibson from leaving. It was the right thing for the player. It was the right thing for the club. Um, he probably did well to keep him for the year, extra year that they did. Patrick Bamford mightn't have played anyway, so I think that's a bit disingenuous to say that, well, Patrick wanted to leave. Well, yeah, because you didn't pick him in for the previous few months. He was given money to replace players. He brought in Jordan Hugel, who was on a big salary, obviously a loan signing, but big salary. He wanted more message on a long-term contract. couldn't quite understand that. He got him on loan. He was able to go out and buy Paddington there, uh, a midfielder. He was, at, he was able to go out and buy George Savile for a significant amount of money again, a midfielder. And he went out and, and got Aidan Flint a very expensive in championship terms defender. So you could argue that he'd be placed players in all of those positions that he lost players. Now, they weren't like for like. He didn't sign a new Adam Adama Triari, But you know, why did Borussia sign two essentially central midfielders when they're already overloaded with central midfielders? He was there and privy to those decisions. So, so I, think, I, think there's a collective, I think there has to be a collective admission within the club that whatever happened, they got it wrong. As Vic says, it's a time to move forward now. You know, the manager made mistakes. I think it's fair to say recruitment was what wasn't ideal. We don't, as I say, we don't know who to blame for that. You know, the chairman's got to have a look at it and think. Right, you know, if 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 they sat around a table like we are right now, discussing what's gone wrong, they have to look at the last ten seasons and say we've only achieved promotion in one of those. That that for a club like Middlesbrough with a big fan base, with a good stadium, with an excellent training ground, with a very supportive Chairman who spent a lot of money, how how have they only managed to win one promotion in that time? That that's the question. I think if, if people are being honest with themselves down at Rockcliffe Park today, tomorrow, ne- early next week, is why are we struggling to get out the Premier uh, out the Championship season after season? Because it's not because we're not throwing money at it. So, um, I think ultimately, I, I said to somebody on on social media this morning, you know, it's not entirely Tony Pulis' fault that Middlesbrough finished seventh, but he's the manager. He was given a lot of free reign by the chairman when he came in, so he carries the can for the league position. In the same way, he'd get all the praise going if he got Burr out of this division this season. So, ultimately, the manager takes the blame, and where that leaves Middlesbrough and Tony Pulis, we'll probably find out in the next few days.
0: Talk about, I'm conscious of the fact we don't want to hang around on individual topics too long, because we've got a full summer to assess the types of Martin Braithwaite, but it kind of leads us to him, because... He was playing in that first third of the se- the first month of the season when he was playing well, and Borough probably played the best of played. Um, I-, I thought Pulis did everything right with Braithwaite this season in terms of got the best out of him, then tried everything to get the best out of him mm-hmm. when Borough stood firm, um, talked him up, talked him down, you know, in-, in terms of why he'd left him out and that sort of thing. I know when Braithwaite had a niggle at Pulis's better style of play and Pulis bit back. There were some who were saying, Well, why is, why is Pulis talking about him like this? We've got to we've got to we've got to sell him in the summer. But I think Braithwaite kept sorry, Pulis had kept his counsel for an awful long time with Braithwaite and probably felt, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bite my tongue any longer, I'm, I'm gonna go with it. How how important telling vital has the whole Braithwaite factor been this season?
2: If if he'd have stayed, if he'd have got his head down would Borough won promotion? Well, you have to question whether his bright performances in August were because the transfer window was open. It was quite clear that he was angling for a move. Uh, you have to question his character and mentality that, having not got the move, his head went down. I mean, that's that's the problem with football is you know you're dealing with humans. Uh, he didn't want to be here. He's a very good footballer. You know, on the ball, I think he's probably, you know almost balletic sometimes the way he moves and touches the ball and I don't think there's any question that he's a very very gifted footballer uh, but if someone doesn't want to be here it leaves you with a massive problem and to harness someone like that to man-manage someone who really doesn't want to be here it must be draining and distracting and he tried everything he did try yeah, he, did, he did try but I mean, quite clearly the player <laughs> did not want to be here And he had his people actively looking for a move all summer. And as soon as that window closed, he started again looking for a January move. And you can't have that in the background. A a football team is a a collective dynamic. It's a really delicate ecosystem. And you can't have one player or two players disrupting it. It's got to be a collective every step of the way. And even the best player can really disrupt a dressing room. And especially when he's a, a very, very well-paid player, and there are other people in the dressing room who are given 120% desperate to play, and they see someone like that swanning around on, on the phone of his agent after every match. It's, you know, that undermines teams.
0: I think it's been obvious when Pulis has been talking about the disastrous 2017 summer window and talking about the importance of character, that Braithwaite is the one he's talking about. He's the player that he's aimed at <clears> because <throat> a lot of the others, yes, yes, they were probably overpriced, and uh, the likes of Ashley Fletcher and it hasn't worked out. But the likes of Darren Randolph, Ryan Shot, and Johnny House and British On although the ones. Obviously, got this given to Scott sixteen goals. A lot of those players have been key players for him. Yeah, yeah. Braithwaite's I mean, the one
2: yeah. isn't he expensive? Yeah. I mean, we mentioned Sheffield United and what a wonderful achievement that is, uh, and that is an object lesson in a team a team working for each other to a vision they understand and to a manager who's put that team together knows how they tick knows which buttons to press and gets more than the sum of the parts and that's the tricky thing in football it's the easiest thing in the world to go and buy players the the tricky thing is making sure that everyone is working to exactly the same vision and dynamic Uh, and and
1: collectively going back three years when Burra had that to an extent or for those two promotion seasons when they missed out at Wembley and then they got it the following year, there was a there was a sense that the team was playing for each, each other. You know, even players like Stuani, played out of position on the right, were 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 putting in performances. They weren't sniping, they weren't griping, they weren't moaning to the Spanish press or whatever. And and I think that summer, you know, without going into too much detail, that summer, I, uh, you know, we heard at the end of the season that it would be it would be small, it'd be evolution, not revolution, three or four signings to strengthen an already good squad. I think when they brought in virtually a team's worth of players that summer, I think you have never really had the dressing room right since. Uh, From you know, I'm generalising now, but you know, you, think you saw those players come in. Some of them were already thinking about the next move. You think you know the Valdes and people like that. You know wouldn't wouldn't it wouldn't mix with the you know wouldn't do interviews. You know they're just here basically because they were signed and they were available. Um, and whatever the rights and wrongs of that, I think that's had an effect on the dressing room, and I don't think we've ever had that core spirit back. You know, you were watching the video from the Dickens this morning. Um, you know, that wasn't just for the cameras. That was genuinely a group of lads who, who, who succeeded yeah. together. And I think when I look at the squad at the moment, there is talent in the squad, but I don't see a lot of leadership. I don't see, you know, your old-fashioned. You know, I suppose you, the, the Grant Ledbetter provided that a little bit. You know, the the, the man who, who who would when the dress when the manager went out the dressing room, the, the player who would knock heads together. Say so right you, you you sort this out. We we it's 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 all or nothing here, you know. Somebody who would, you know, you had all those issues around Ramirez and things like that. And I don't think really, as I say, the, the dressing room's been hundred percent right since.
0: But I don't think looking at the, the squad this season, um I don't think kind of a lack of leadership or a lack of character has been an issue. I think the, the, the opposite really in that they've just looked too drilled. At times.
1: But you made the point ten, on ten. Saturday, didn't you? That the manager is coaching them through every kick of the ball. You said that to yeah, him. Yeah, it? Yeah, sure. When you're close to Tony Pulis, you can hear him instructing the players, and it must be very limiting if somebody's telling you virtually which foot to put the ball onto and then where to put it. Now, obviously, half the players on the pitch can't hear what he's saying, but nonetheless, that smacks of a manager who's coaching to the, to the point where players aren't allowed any freedom, aren't allowed to express themselves. Now, you might God, I mean, someone
0: that. like George Savile is, is clearly a very silky footballer who's who's comes alive in and around the opposition box. He's got an eye for goal. He can pick that pass. He can spot the. He, he's got the vision, and we just haven't seen that. No. We haven't seen that at all. The only one really who we've seen it from is Lewis Wing, the one yeah. you wouldn't have expected. I haven't seen any of Paddy McNair, who came as a goal scoring midfielder. Um, more Bessett you see signs, but he just does that tendency one, to hold on, game on and on
2: and on and on. He plays one game in three. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's it. And that's I, and I think why he's that, not with the Everton team, I think that yeah. has been what's, what's cost Borough rather than kind of a lack of character. Or yeah, or...
1: I mean, I think it's telling that I can't remember how many games it's now been keeping count. It's something like 40, 50. in In the last dozen starts that More Besic has made, maybe it's more, he's been subbed in every match. Every match. Mm-hmm. That tells it to me that it's a player who isn't, who is, who isn't exactly integral to the running of the team. And, and for me, that's the sort of player he should be. I think it's... Pulis' inability to spot those things and act, you know, say, right, look, it isn't working with more, we need to go a different route. He wasn't going to pick Lewis Winkle Christmas and it was that defeat against Sheffield Wednesday and Boxing Day, as much as anything, that that, 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 that sort of just made him decide, look, I need something else in this midfield because it's just not happening. Um, and Lewis came at the team and pretty much injuries, uh, with the exception of a few injuries, stayed there. So... It has evolved, but as you say, I mean, how you how you how a club like Middlesbrough can justify signing a player for five million pounds or whatever it was in Paddy McNair and just not picking him? I, I'm sorry, that's there's something wrong there. I you know who who's signing was he? If he was if he was Tony Pulis' signing, why have you signed a player for a significant amount of money on a long term contract and just not picked him? Particularly as the midfield is one of the weakest areas in the on the pitch week in week out. I just don't get that. You know and. Um, it didn't really answer the questions when we asked him about it in press conferences, did he? You know, you'd ask him, you know, why is Paddy not playing, and you know, while well, he he doesn't want to play at right wing back, well, that isn't really the point. You want just to... talked about him embracing yeah. the idea. Yeah, of being a yeah. Player. So it so was I... the
0: it was the Leeds player who we told him there. A former Leeds utility man, and he told him to watch videos. Paul Medley, was it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Basically, embraced the idea of being him.
1: Yeah, but if you you know he, he was signed, wasn't he? We we understood he was signed to, to, to remedy a problem within the team, and that was a lack of goal sco- goals from midfield, and and he just didn't get a game. Now we don't see the training sessions. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But it, as I say, I go back to the point. Borough won't play well enough to leave a player on the bench for the entire season. He deserved a chance, he deserved a run at the expense of somebody else who wasn't delivering.
0: Lewis, when we touched on there, won the obvious plus points of the season, probably the big plus point of the season. What are the other positives, Vic, to come out of the campaign? Uh,
2: Dale Fry? <laughs> yeah, Dale Fry's been good. He's played across every role in the back three and the back two and right wing back. Hold right in midfield in pre-season. Yeah, yeah. And we were told... You know, had he not been injured he would have slotted in for George as well so that would have been very impressive very versatile uh, a big a big plus there I, I struggled to find many positives because I think the team has been functional at best and has just barely achieved the, the, the kind of band where we expected it to be uh, for me the, the the real positive is that it feels like that particular chapter is over sort of five years of Functional, regimented, drilled, cautious football is over, and the positive could be that there's exciting possibilities if they change tack and change mentality and have a new style. Uh, it does feel like it's been a wasted opportunity. The parachute money has been squandered with very, very little result. I, I don't think I don't think you can automatically assume that money gives you success, and I don't think you can automatically assume. You get year-on-year progress. I mean, just because you finish fifth one year doesn't mean that you're going to automatically improve next year because football's a dynamic. Other teams change and improve. And Borough haven't done that. Borough haven't changed and improved. They've pretty much flatlined, and hoped they could grind their way on this trajectory. And from very early on, the noise has changed from promotion to being in the top six, didn't it? Mm. And it was a kind of acceptance that we're not quite good enough, but we'll see if we can grind our way through. Well, the manager said uh, that in, in
1: so August, that we're not it, good enough. With that,
2: that's the background. I find it quite hard to dig out any positives. There's individual players who've had good months here, good months there. I quite enjoyed Ryan Shotton in the early part of the season. Uh, John Obi mckell for, for I, a couple of months. The first years, so. first six weeks of John Obi mckell lovely watching him. It you know, like a thoroughbred... And he created time and space for himself and there've been moments and there've been some decent performances. But as a whole, I found the season quite flabby and
1: tiring. It, I think it's it... one of those seasons we'll look back on in five, six years time and struggle to remember any standout moments. Probably unfortunately, other than the cup defeats. I mean, yeah, because but... because there hasn't been there hasn't been that blue ribbon performance on the pitch, really. The the jumps in has I mean, there been a couple of impressive gritty away wins, you know, West Brom for example. But in terms, you know, we've rarely seen Borough play. You know, I, I go back to this point. Borough aren't playing the style of football that's. You know, it's not. We're not. This is not about trend setting or following fashions, but. There's a certain style of football that's evolved now. Yeah, you've got to tactically where, where, so. where, where, where teams are playing slick football, they're interchanging, they passing, good movement, they're pressing high up the pitch. You know, you look at you look at the early season success of Leeds. I know they've dropped off. You look at Norwich. You look at you know we spoke about the movement of Sheffield United earlier today. The teams are playing. you know Aston Villa at times were, were joy to behold, weren't they? If you could put your neutral hat on and take your borough hat off for a second. Um, when, in both those games against Borough um, it seemed to me that some teams in this division were playing a different brand of football and a more exciting brand of football and you'd have to say a more successful brand of football and that wasn't because well, of look, necessarily Ironically
2: th- it's not even more successful because there were teams who finished below Borough were doing it Yeah, but, Brentford but PR away for the first yeah. half I think, I think Preston played some Preston, played some Preston. Yeah, they, they're all have... playing there's, a, there's a, athleticism is like highly prized in football And there's different types, and and a lot of teams have gone for mobility, slick, quick, movement. And it seems that Borough have gone for physicality in terms of size. Yeah. And that's a different type of athleticism. But, you know, the the downside of that is that you don't necessarily have the movement. And when you come up against a team that plays with movement and pace, you're always going to be exposed.
1: Well, this goes back to what I'm saying. Borough didn't exploit their strengths this season. They didn't score from set pieces. We talked about it, didn't we? You know... Borough scored, better you can count on one hand the number of goals they scored from a set piece. I think that one Three. on Sun- the one on Sunday was 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 a rare example of Borough, you know, getting winning a knockdown and, and, and banging the ball in the net from John o- John Obi It stood out because it was so rare.
2: Throw-ins as well. You know, you, know,
1: know. you got you sign a you sign a player like Aidan Flint who scored nearly double figures last season, and he's got to think what well, one. Right.
2: What? That, was, that was the first home
1: game. Danny Ayala's Danny, Danny Ayala is a player who can get up six or seven or eight goals a season. I think he's got a couple. If that, I can't remember how many now off the top of my head, but it's certainly not more than a couple. You know, they, they're the things. If you're if you're going to play the, you talk about stars. If you're going to play the Tony Pulis way, those are the things where we should be sat here now saying, well, it's at least, at least it's great that Burris scored scored twenty five percent of their goals from corners and free kicks. You know, and, and, and at least they the, the exploited the height in the box. It got to the point, you know, Nottingham Forest, where they were playing the corner shots. And it baffled Pulis that, didn't it? He yeah. said it repeatedly, he baffled it. And, and he
0: kept working at it, he kept training. It. I know even until the final weeks of the season, they were still working on the long throws and the set pieces in, in training. Is, what, why don't they work? Is it,
1: is it the delivery? Yeah, yeah, is well, it, what, what, I mean, was not, there a reason why? Well, it's not why a, it's a height, is it? It's, it's one thing, when you've got Ryan Shotton, you know, um, Aidan Flint, Danny Ayala when he was fit, George Friend when he was fit, you know, Burrow have got five Great or six... crosses of the ball, yeah. well, Lewis Burr- Wing, George Savings, have George got five Evans. or six players of, of six foot plus in the penalty area, so partly it must be the delivery. And I suspect also, partly, everyone knows how Borough are going to play. Yeah, exactly. So you you set up to counteract that, um, and it becomes increasingly difficult, you know... If, every manager spoke about it, didn't they? before every Borough game, that we, you know, we know what Borough's strengths I are. I think
2: maybe there's, there's confusion as well because Danny Ayala spent years as the main man for set plays and suddenly Aidan Flint's there. So you, you get a little bit of uh, people maybe duplicating roles, but also, uh, again, it comes down to pace. When you, when you have a set play, everyone has, starts from a standing position and then they, you know, they move to anticipate where the ball's going. But if your movement is slower than the, the, than the opposition, it doesn't matter whether it's well-delivered. The other bloke's going to get there first. I think the other thing, just, just briefly to touch on this, we're
0: talking about positives of the season, the, the early Cup games where the kids the got kids. the chance, Steve Walker, Jed Spence, Bilal Brahimi, the, the, the Cup runs should have been a real plus point, but it ended up the direct opposite, ultimately, because of the nature and the manner of the defeats. The Burton game was you know we all know what have happened against man city but the occasion of two legs yeah, exactly. against pep guardiola's man city you, you know could well you could well well make a case for them being the best premier league side in history to being brilliant and then again the, the, the newport defeat the timing of the newport defeat the manner of the newport defeat was, was, was and really that set the tone for a lot of the second half of the season didn't it um again don't want to touch too much on on players who will come and who will go and that sort of thing because we can talk about that more in the weeks ahead um, but in terms of the immediate future, the next couple of weeks, when can we expect clarity as to regards to the manager's
2: future? Well, I think the, the club will take a few days to let the dust settle and lick their wounds. I find it almost inconceivable that Tony Pulis will be the manager next season, to be honest. I, I, don't, I think when you accept that there's a need for change, then it has to start with the manager. The style will probably change, the ethos will change, the mentality will change. They're talking about a different type of target. That, to me, screams out that you have a different type of manager. Uh, it may well be that the club want to do things with dignity or, or whatever, but I can't imagine they will drag it out too long because preparations begin almost immediately in a football club for next season.
1: I mean, yeah, he's already said, hasn't he, that he's sorted the pre-season plans out, regardless of who's in charge, and he's pretty open about that, to be honest. Um, Austria, I agree. Austria it is, then. It sounds like it, doesn't it? Uh, two weeks of hill climbing by, uh, for, the, for whoever comes into the club. I mean, I agree with it. I mean, I think... I mean, I'd be, I'd be really, really surprised if there's an announcement in a few days' time that say Tony Pulis has agreed a new contract with Borough, and he'll be the manager moving forward. Um it feels like as Vic says it's time for a change it's going to be very difficult finding the right man it's going to be very difficult get, you know and without patronising supporters it's going to be very diff- difficult to sell the vision to supporters you know you're right your new manager is what the cowl is or whoever and we're going to be sadly. it do you think tech- it is
0: going to be difficult to sell the vision or do you think the supporters are ready to embrace the idea of a ah, new I, I, you know, I, I, I think mean-
2: some people are and there's other people who will whatever they say in theory we'll expect to see money spent because yeah. that's people it's Humber, the, done it the game is addicted to spending and that is the measure of ambition and if you don't spend x million pounds then you're not showing ambition
0: but i think and if, that will if you can under. see that there's a discernible plan there and that the, what they're trying to do and the type of player and maybe a bit more Kind of openness from from, from the top. Well, that's where it has to, to that, it. That, that,
1: that, that has to happen for me. It has to happen that within the next week or two, you know, it's got it's good. We're talking about the chairman, aren't we? The chairman needs to, you know, whether it's purist or whether it's not purist, The chairman needs to tell the fans where the club's going. It doesn't, you know, uh, you know, it, it, The fans aren't daft. They know that there's no parachute money. They, they, so the, the I think most fans are hardwired to the idea that we're not going to be spending fortunes this summer. But they're also, the same set of fans are used to Borough going out and throwing money at problems. So, And, and the big, the, big the, the acid test is going to be that when, you know, we sat here in July, August, and Borough's first three signings are a, are a defender from, a full-back from Shrewsbury, uh, a midfielder, a right midfielder from Coventry, and a, a, and a, and a left midfielder from, I don't know, Altrinch and whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be that though. No, no but, the but the point of Norwich. yeah, but the making is, What I'm movie. saying is the acid. The acid test is how those how those signings go down with the fans. I, I think I th- the you acid know, I test
2: think, I th- is the first couple of results.
1: No, but I, I think even before then you've got a you got you got, a, you've got a Hearts and minds thing here because obviously, is still trying to sell season tickets as the summer moves on. You've got a new kit coming out. I mean, there'll be the obvious, op- there'll be the natural optimism anyway. The there obvious is fans are naturally optimistic in su- in the summer. We all get that new buzz around July time. The fixtures are out. We're looking forward to going to wherever on the third fourth of August. Luton, yeah, Luton. Luton, new ground, all that kind of stuff. I think That's fans nice. you know, fan- <laughs> fans are good at getting up and boun- bouncing back and going again. That's how football survives. That's how, but. So I think the acid test is how those fans react when Borough aren't going out and signing, you know, your, your 10 million Martin Braithwaite and your 15 million British on-belongers um, and, and signing what we'd regard as sensible players on the up who potentially have a bit of a resale value, who are hungry, who, 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 who are going to add, you know, dynamism to the team, they're going to add good attitude. I'd also think I'm a bit of an old school. In some respects, I'd like to okay. see it a bit here. <laughs> yeah, uh, as I say, as, um, as I unbuckle the um, shin pads, um, I'd like to see. would like to see like sort of almost a um, a landmark signing, a benchmark signing of a possibly a, not Brian Robson. Obviously, that ca- because obviously, you know, he was just just come from Man United, but. Like a figure a figure in the dressing room who's an Nigel Pearson style yeah, I think, I think I think the dressing room would really benefit from from somebody who came in whether it's just, you know whatever, whatever position they're playing who, who would immediately command the respect yeah. of everybody and I think I think that goes back to what I, was, I felt about the team over the last six months I haven't felt that on the pitch yeah. possibly Mikel could that, have been that it that
2: goes hand in hand with a new manager who's got a new Ideas and yeah. visions, who then goes out and signs someone. Yeah, it's what Rob did, that's what it? I want. Rob, Rob, that's Rob, the player I, I want. mean, on
1: those different times, different environments, but Brian Robson came in as the manager, a young up and coming manager, a player manager. One of his, you know, and he went out and got a Nigel Pearson, and he, and he was his manager in the dressing room. Yeah. And I think, I think that, McLaren that's McLaren I, was Southgate. Pardon? McLaren Exactly, Southgate. Exactly, and, and And I know that kind of thing slightly sounds a bit old fashioned to have that kind of presence but if it's the right character the right person with the right with the right mindset can really help young players develop can be you know Gordon Strachan did it at Leeds I think we spoke about that the other day Um, you know lots of clubs down the years when they've gone with a new manager and a new philosophy and they're going to have to do things a different way they've kind of sold it on the back of a couple of you know keystone signings and um, that might be that might be one way that the club goes well you know they've lost Ledbetter they might lose one or two other. All, you know, who knows what George Fendel? You know, George Fendel is a great man having the dressing room. Doing is he going to be part of the plans next season? That kind of character will be needed next season.
0: Before we wrap up, I know this isn't the type of prediction we wanted to be making ahead of the playoffs, but who
2: who do we want to win promotion?
0: Looking ahead to
2: next season, yeah. who do we want out of the way? Well, we've had this discussion already. This I I want West Brom to go up because I don't want Leeds to go up, and I think. Aston Villa and Derby should face the, the consequences of their breaches of f- financial fair play. And, and would they face the consequences? I hope so. Well, what we know is, if if they go up, you know they, they in the Premier League for two three years, then then right out an eight million pound check.
1: Well, well, I certainly think the national media want Frank Lampard's Derby, as they're now officially called, to win promotion. Honestly, not that fussed. Um, I think Villa will do it anyway. I think they're the team for me. Looking at the teams, they're the team informed. They're the team with the. You know, if Jack Grealish stays fit, I think they'll do it. Um, in terms of you know we've already got some long away trips next season, so in terms of a team going out of the division, I don't mind going to Villa Park. Uh, who else have we got? Derby, West Brom. Um, I mean, I've got a sneaking feeling because no one's talking about them about West Brom. Everyone's just written them off. Jim, you know, you know, Jimmy
0: Shan doing what Jimmy Darren Lewis did I mean, last year and forcing West Brom Jimmy, he giving him the shot Jimmy <laughs> Shan
2: has, has got the best points per game ratio in the division since he took over yeah, Did I,
0: mean, I, I thought that he had to win on Saturday for that to be the case in any case if, if, a fine job if I was though, putting
1: right? my daft quid on somebody I think I'd put it on West Brom but uh, I think Villa will go
0: yeah I'd put my daft quid on Villa but I think the 21-10, yeah. so it probably wouldn't be well. I worse. think Leeds have
1: gone, looking at the last few results, looking at that performance against Ipswich where they're all over the shop at the back, the penalty that was scooped over the bye, just looking at them, they look as though a team that have peaked 10 games too early... We'll see. Anyway,
0: like I say, it's not the type of prediction we want to be talking about. but thanks for listening. There's
2: um, always next year. Yeah, there is, <laughs>
1: and,
0: and obviously we'll be touching on various subjects as we've talked about there looking ahead to the summer, so if there's anything in particular you want us to talk about in the tripes over the summer, just let us know by tweeting us at Gazette Borough. Cheers, fellas, and thanks for listening.